participated in our series, Watch Your Mouth, um, and uh, prepared for today, I was thinking about uh, myself and the role that I'm in at, here at Impact. And um, I know that what I do has a very big effect on um, church and on people. I know that some people will not come to this church if they don't like me or like my preaching. And I also know some people might come and they might forgive a lot of other things if they think that I'm a good enough preacher. I just kind of know that's kind of the nature of what I do. I don't like that that's true. Like, I don't like that it's a lot of it's on me, but that it is true. I just part of kind of church world um, that some people will come and if they don't like me and they don't like the sermon, but they love worship and they love everything else, then they're most likely not coming back. Um, no one's going to stay because of me. Let me make that clear. No one will stay that long if they, just because they like my sermons. They need to feel connected. There needs to be a lot more things. But a first impression, I understand that I have a big role in that first impression. And because of that big role that I know I have, um, criticism just comes with that. Like, I get a lot of criticism about a lot of things that I do. It's just because the nature of, of what I do. If you're in a high position in your job, you are prone to more criticism, right? The higher position you get, the more criticism you're likely to get. Um, so I get a lot of criticism being here. I don't normally get criticism from people that come one time and don't like it. They just don't come back most of the time. I, don't, I normally don't hear from them. Every once in a while, they'll send me an email, um, but I haven't gotten one of those in years. The criticism that I normally get are from people that consider impactors their church home or come on a fairly regular basis. That's criticism I normally get. And here's why. I know why I get this criticism. I get this criticism because you all that consider impact church your home want to this to be the best church possible. And so you know that what I do plays a big role in that. So if there's something you don't like that you think is preventing us from being the church that we want to be, you feel like you need to let me know. I get why that happens. That I understand it. I understand that. And here's some of the things over my um, pastoral career. I've been a lead pastor now since September when we launched, um, but I was a pastor way before this for uh, probably over 10 years now I've been a pastor. So in my role as a pastor, here are some of the criticisms that I have received, and I'll, I'll just give you a list of some of those that I've received. Um, I've had people say that I don't look like a pastor. I actually get that criticism a lot. Um, I think they're trying to criticize me, but I don't take it as a criticism. I'm okay with it. Um, so I hear that a lot. I hear that um, I tell too many stories. I've heard that criticism before. Uh, I've heard that I'm not biblical enough. That Someone's emailed me that. This is going to sound like I'm complimenting myself, but I'm not because they weren't trying to compliment me. Um, I've, I've heard that I'm too funny. Now, I know it sounds like, oh, yeah, you think too No, they were saying, like, you literally, all you do is you're a clown up there. You're trying to do jokes the whole time. You're trying, trying to make us laugh. I don't get any biblical. That's what they're trying to tell me. And then I've heard that I'm too harsh. I've heard that before, that when I speak, sometimes I'm a little too harsh when I talk to, about certain topics. Um, I'm a guy that can shake things off. I can shake criticism off pretty easily. I can shake things off. And you've gotten criticism in your jobs. I know you have. It's not just me. And I can normally shake things off. But I'd be lying if I would say that it, it's never bothered me. There are times where I get the email, I'm like, I don't care. I don't really even care. And then deep down, I'm like, I do kind of care about what they said. So criticism is just part of life. Last week, we started our series, Watch Your Mouth. And we were talking about how powerful your mouth is. And we, were, we talked about James chapter 3, verse 5, that said, The tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. That our mouth is powerful, and what comes out of our mouth is a really, really big deal. That we can lift up our relationships to a higher level, or we can destroy our relationships with our mouth. 
Last week, we started with complaining. We talked about the idea of complaining, of how you can change your perspective even when you can't change your circumstance. And today, we're going to be talking about something that's pretty similar to complaining, and that's criticizing. What do we do with those criticisms that we have, those that suffer with criticism? We just criticize too often. Here's what criticism is. Criticism is the expression of someone, expression of someone or something based on perceived faults or mistakes. You see someone, you see something, and you see a perceived mistake or a perceived fault, and you criticize it because you want it to get better or you don't like those faults or mistakes. Now, there is constructive criticism. We're going to talk a little bit about constructive criticism, but that's not what we're mainly talking about today. Constructive criticism has its place. We're not mainly talking about constructive criticism. What we're talking about today is the criticism that is harmful, the criticism that is painful, the belittling that we do, the nagging that we do, the destroying that we do with our mouth through our criticism, through our criticism. See, here's what critics do. Critics find fault easily. They can find fault easily in you, in an organization. They can find what's wrong with it easily. And what a lot of us would say is, you know what, I, I wouldn't need to criticize if that person wasn't so dumb. I'm only criticizing because they're not handling that correctly. You know what, I wouldn't need to criticize if they spent their money correctly. The reason why I'm criticizing is because they went on a vacation that I know they cannot afford. That's why I'm going to criticize. I, I wouldn't need to. I wouldn't need to criticize if she didn't dress that way or if he didn't dress that way. I wouldn't need to criticize if they didn't post all that stuff on social media, but they're the one posting it, so I'm going to criticize. I, didn't, I wouldn't need to criticize if they parented their kids the right way. And every time it's the right way, you might say, well, what is the right way? Well, the right way is my way. That's the right way. Whatever I say is the right way. That's what a lot of us do. Galatians chapter 5, verse 14 to 15 for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. See, you have no idea how one word of encouragement can lift somebody up and can be used by God. You also have no idea how one word of criticism can destroy your relationships. It's a big deal. Some of you that suffer with intimacy in marriage might be because of your criticism, because you guys are too critical with each other. Or if you're care- not careful with your criticism, you might build walls up between you and your kids because you're too critical th- with them all the time. You might put wedges between you and all your friends because you're so critical. Criticism is a big deal. And when we talk about criticism, I know that when I talk about this, what most of you are thinking right now is, I hope this person's listening. I hope this person, I'm going to send this to somebody. Because I get that. Because the people that really struggle with criticism don't think it's us. Listen, I'm not talking to people that are here. I'm talking to you. All of us have this at times where we struggle with criticism, where we easily find fault. But why do we do this? Why do we criticize? There's three reasons that I think we criticize. One is pride. I mean, pride is a simple answer. There's pride. Pride is the root of all sin. That is when we put ourselves front and center and we put God out on the outer limits. Pride. Pride is making it all about us. Criticism serves to make you harsh, vindictive, and cruel. And it leaves you with this soothing and flattering idea that you are somehow superior to other people. That's pride. Because some of us like that, that feeling of being right, of, of telling other people what they're doing wrong, of feeling right. That's pride. And whenever you're at this point where you think, I'm right and you're wrong, that is the complete opposite attitude that Jesus had. I mean, that, there's nothing further 
from following Jesus than thinking, I'm always right and you're wrong. It's just not true. C.S. Lewis has a great, great quote about pride. He says, pride is spiritual cancer. It eats up the very possibility of love, contentment, and even common sense. Pride, it's the root of all sin, really is. It's selfishness. Negative criticism comes from a sense of pride, number one. Number two, why do we criticize? Insecurity. We're insecure. And we feel better about ourselves when we criticize somebody else, even though deep down we're really just insecure. When, um, whenever I meet somebody that plays a sport or plays an instrument, I always ask them if you're, they're any good. If someone plays guitar, or someone plays baseball, or whatever. Like, hey, you any good? And if they ever say, yeah, I'm pretty good, I know that they're not good. I just know it. Sometimes they are good and they're just really cocky, but I know they're not good because they're like, yeah, I'm pretty good. One time I played football with a bunch of friends and there was a guy who came who I didn't know if he was any good. I said, hey, you any good at football? He said, yeah, I'm good. He had a hood up and he was like, yeah, I'm good. And he was like, act like he was getting ready. I grabbed him. He couldn't catch the ball once. He was terrible. He had to tell me he was good because his game was not going to prove that he was good. Every time I find someone that's like, hey, are you, are you any good at, at, at guitar? Are you any good at, at whatever sport? If they go, um, yeah, I mean, I'm fine. They're normally amazing. You know why? They don't need to tell you. They, when they play, they'll show you. Number one, they'll just show you. And number two, they, all, they always know other people that are a lot better than them. So whenever I find that people are always very, like, telling everyone, hey, I'm really good at this, it's because they're insecure, because they know they're really not that good at it. And when we criticize a lot, that comes from insecurity in us. That's what it comes from. We think when we criticize that we come out and we look smarter and better than everybody else, but it's not true. You know what you look like? You look like an insecure and you look like a, um, a just mean person. That's what criticism does. That's what it does. No one sees a critical person and goes, man, I wish I was like them. I want to be like them one day. No one's ever thought that because it comes from insecurity. And number three, why do we criticize? It's a lack of knowledge. A lot of times we criticize because we don't know the full story, because we don't truly understand and grasp the whole thing. Um, I was at a grocery store um, when, before I was married, I remember going to the grocery store, and I remember thinking when I would see parents with their kids that were going nuts. This was before kids. I had kids. I remember thinking, like, you know why those kids are acting that way? Because the parents aren't disciplining them enough. If you've set, the, set, set it straight, then things would, I'm telling you, that's why those kids are acting out right now. My kids will never act out like that. Then I had kids. And then I went to the grocery store once, and I remember they just constantly fought, screamed, grabbed things off the shelves, so much so that I was pushing this cart around. I kept going, guys, please, I was begging them, I'll get you anything, please just stop. I got to the point where I was done grocery shopping almost. I had like five more things. I couldn't take it anymore. I got out. I grabbed the kids. I left my full cart in the aisle and went home. And I put them in their room because I needed a break. And I sat in the corner of my kitchen in a fetal position. No joke. It's like, this is terrible. Why? Back then, I thought I knew, knew what it took. But then when I had kids, like, oh, it's not always that way. Now I, I understand a little more. One time I was driving with my dad. I just thought of this story. One time I was driving with my dad. I was driving my dad home from uh, one of our current outreach events. And we went to pull into their street, and there was a car kind of blocking the road, like right in the middle of the road. And we go to pull up, and my dad and I were both like, what is this car doing blocking the road? We were kind of getting mad. And he was like, slow down, roll the window down. He's going to say something to him. I was like, all right. So I'd slow it down, roll the window down. And right before he said something, he was like, wait, I'm going to check. Hey, are you okay, is what he said. Are you okay? She went, 
thank you for being so nice. My car broke down. Everyone that's driven by has yelled at me, but you were so nice. Thank you so much. She's like, okay, you need help? Okay, good. And we drove away. We're like, phew. We were all, because we didn't have enough knowledge. We lacked the knowledge. We didn't know the full story. When we don't truly understand, it's easier to criticize. We don't fully understand. The less we know, the easier it is to be critical. When we know the full story of what's happening, of what's going on in their life, of the backstory behind it, of how they grew up, the full story, when we know that, it's easier to have empathy and less criticism. It's easier to do that. See, why do we criticize? Because of pride, because of insecurity, and because of a lack of knowledge. So what should we do instead? Instead of always finding fault, what should we be doing? We should instead be revealing hope. Revealing hope is better than finding fault. Revealing hope is always better than pointing out everyone else's faults. So we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 7. If you have your Bibles or your Bible apps, Matthew chapter 7 will be up on the screen in a minute too. Uh, In Matthew chapter 7, we see the end of the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus gave. This is the most famous sermon that Jesus ever gave. If you've never read the Sermon on the Mount, I highly recommend it. It's it's an amazing sermon that Jesus gave. And here in this sermon, uh, he talks about a lot of things Jesus does. He talks about um, our perspective on ourselves, perspective on the world, perspective on the Word of God. He talks about that. He talks about um, our perspective on holiness, on a religious activity. He talks about all this stuff. And everything he talks about in, in um, Matthew chapter 7 in the Sermon on the Mount, everything he talks about is in contrast to the Pharisees. It's in contrast to the Pharisees. See, the Pharisees, they were the religious elite of the time. Their job was to study and memorize Scripture. And then they got to a point where they felt like they were higher to God than anyone else. So they were a higher class person. So naturally, if you are someone that considers yourself a religious elite better than everybody else, if you consider yourself that way, automatically you're going to start just naturally judging people, right? Or naturally condemning people. It's just the nature of it. So everything Jesus talks about is contrasting what the Pharisees are doing. And here in Matthew chapter 7, we see um, a, he's talking about the perspective on how we treat other people, which is a huge contrast from what the Pharisees do. And here's what he says in Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 1. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. I mean, this, this couple, these couple of verses are verses that if we truly grasped and understood, it would change everything. Because I don't think a lot of us actually believe that. Because if we did, we would be a little slower to judge, wouldn't we? If we knew that the way we judge, God was going to judge us, I don't know about you, but for me, I would show a lot more grace to people. Because I don't want to be judged that way. Jesus says, the way you judge other people, you will one day be judged. Be careful how you judge. Verse 3 is a great analogy here. Now, Jesus, some of you may have heard. It says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly and remove the speck from your brother's eye. Here's the analogy he's given, and I brought a little prop for this, okay? Let's imagine that I am somewhere with somebody else, and uh, a shed explodes. And when that shed explodes, the person I'm with, the friend I'm with, he gets a little bit of dust in his eye. He's just trying to get the dust out of his eye. But in my eye, instead, I get something like this stuck in my eye, okay? A big peg. Let's imagine I have this big peg stuck in my eye, okay? 
stick with me. I know this is childish. I was a youth pastor. I get it. So just stick with me, okay? Don't give me, don't give me those looks, okay? So let's imagine I'm with somebody else. They have, a, they have some dust in their eye, and I have this big old peg in my eye. It's stuck in my eye, okay? How silly would it be if I went to them and said, hey, let me help you with that dust, okay? I know you look bad. Call 911. They got dust in their eye. Like, how silly would that be? First off, if I tried to help them, I would probably hurt them, right? Because I literally hit them in my eye. I'd hit them, whatever. And there's no way I could even see it. Like, I wouldn't be able to see any of the dust in my eye because I have this big old thing in my eye. There's no way I could possibly even see it. And Jesus is saying, when we judge other people, be careful. Because some of us are judging people because they have a little bit of dust in their eye. When you're walking around like this, and you know what he would call you? A hypocrite. That's what he just said. That we are a hypocrite when we do that. For some of us, we are too focused on what is wrong with everybody else. And Jesus would say, I'd be careful. I'd be careful because you might have a big old stick in your eye you don't even know. I would be careful to what you do. See, the best way that we can offer this world help, the best way is by looking at ourselves first. That's the best way. Some of you might say, this, this world is just full of too many complainers. And I would agree with you. But you guess what? If you stop complaining, there'd be one less complainer. One there. Or like, man, this world is full of people. People gossip too much. I hate gossip. Gossip's ruining the church. Well, guess what? If you stop gossiping, there'd be one less gossiper in the church. That's what would happen. Maybe you look at people and go, I just wish more people were doing something. There are a lot of things going wrong in this community. There's a lot of things going wrong in this world. There, there's an opioid crisis that we need to deal with. There's homelessness. There's child sex trafficking. There's so much stuff that's happening. I wish some other people would do something about this. You know what? If you did something about it, it would be one less person not doing something about it. So before we start looking at other people and getting ready to criticize and find their faults, we need to be careful. Jesus said, you might have a big old stick in your eye. You might not be able to see what they're doing and you're a hypocrite when you do that. See, revealing hope is better than finding fault. Revealing hope is always better. Bringing out the hope in them is always better than finding fault. See, the Pharisees found fault. That's what they constantly did. But Jesus constantly brought out hope in people. When the Pharisees brought this woman who was caught in the act of adultery and threw her in front of Jesus' feet, she was completely naked, humiliated in her sin, the Pharisees are saying, look what she did, finding fault in her. What did Jesus do? He said, where did your accusers go? They left. And I don't accuse you either. Go and sin no more. He revealed hope in her. When, when the thief was on the cross next to Jesus, the Pharisees put him up there because they found fault in him. But what did Jesus do? He welcomed him into his kingdom. That's revealing hope. That's what Jesus does. When the Pharisees took a whole group of people called lepers, who suffered from leprosy and said that you cannot be with society at all. You can't walk on the same side of the street as we can because you are cursed by the gods. When they found fault and then what did Jesus do? Jesus went to a man who was suffering with leprosy, touched him and healed him and revealed hope in him. Revealing hope is better than finding fault. So before we criticize, we should think, is this bringing out hope or are we just finding fault? Now, what does this mean practically for us? Because, yeah, this is great in concept, but, like, does it mean we can never criticize? No, it doesn't mean that. Does it mean we can never judge anybody because of what we just read in Matthew chapter 7? No, actually, other verses in the Bible do say that we should judge other people that are followers of Jesus just like we are so we can keep all, all of ourselves in check. We shouldn't judge people outside of what we believe. So the Bible does talk about times where we do need to judge. So how can we do this practically? 
How can we take this criticism that a lot of us suffer from and a lot of us at times do, how can we use it to constructively bring out hope in people instead of finding fault in them? How can we do that? So I'm going to close with three things. Three things that we much, much that we must have before we criticize. Three things that we must have before we criticize. Number one is this, a meaningful relationship. Before you go and criticize somebody, you better make sure you have a relationship with them. Because that's where a lot of us fall short. We, we don't know that person that well, but we feel like we have the right to criticize them because we know what is right. You better have a relationship with them first. That is number one. That is crucial. A meaningful relationship where you two both have allowed mutual feedback, mutual criticism, mutual communication, that you have given them permission to talk to you about some of the stuff. For, for here at, at Impact, there are certain people that I have given permission to give me feedback about how I lead and about um, how I preach. My, all of my staff has permission to tell me. My wife, for sure, has permission to tell me. My, our board has permission. Our leaders have permission. I have given some people permission to tell me things. And there's times where I'll call some of my staff and be like, hey, how do you think this went? And they aren't going to sugarcoat it for me. If they think it went well, they'll tell me it went well. If they think it didn't, they'll tell me it didn't. And they'll tell me why. I will never, in the history of this church, give a survey asking you what you think of my preaching. Never. And here's why. I don't want to know. I want to know about the people that love me and I know love me and care for me. It's a way to protect me. I want to know what their feedback is, but I don't need to know what everyone's feedback is. That's just a recipe for disaster. That's opening up, hey, just criticize all you want. I want to ask them because I know that they love me, I know they care for me, and I know that they're trying to bring out the best in me. They're not trying to hurt me. I don't know about anybody that walks in if they're trying to hurt me or not. That's why I find someone and I make sure that certain people know that they can give me feedback. So before you criticize, make sure you have a meaningful relationship with them. If you don't, hold it back. Hold it back. That's number one. Number two, make sure you have positive intentions. Make sure you have a positive intention. If that relationship's there and you know that you have a good relationship with them, make sure that you are criticizing for the right reasons that you are trying to have a positive intention about it. See, whenever you criticize and whenever you give criticism for the purpose of making someone feel bad, then maybe you shouldn't give it. We need to be careful in when we give it. Because for some of us, we feel good about ourselves and we feel like we lift ourselves up. Again, that's our insecurity. We feel like we lift ourselves up when we tell somebody what they're doing wrong. If that's why we're doing it, we shouldn't do it. We should only be criticizing. We should only be giving feedback because we want to help improve their life and our relationships. Again, it's someone we have a relationship with, and we are, have a positive intent. See, only you know your intention. No one else can, sit, can call you out on that. Only you do. So you have to have, really check your heart before you just go and criticize somebody. Check your heart on why you're doing it. And here's some things that, for me, that I check before I give some criticism. I think, am I excited about giving this criticism? Because if I'm excited about it, it's normally because it's not a positive reason I'm giving it. Because I kind of like to like, tell people what they're doing wrong because I think I'm right a lot. That's just me. So if I feel like, you know what, I'm really excited about doing this, it's because I really want to feel important about myself. But if I find that I'm not excited about it, it's because I just want to help them grow. Then I'm like, okay, maybe I should give this criticism to someone that I care about. So first ask, are you excited about doing it? Ask where this is coming from. Where is this criticism coming from? Is it coming from an insecurity of you, or is it coming from an actual good place? Ask yourself if you understand the situation completely. I've given criticism and feedback to people, and then found out later that it was a complete wrong thing, and I look like an idiot. I look like a guy with a plank in my eye. 
So before you go and give that criticism, ask some questions. Hey, I just want to check, like, how are things going with this? Like, I just want to just get, ask, some, ask some questions to clarify so, so you can fully understand and know where they are coming from. When you have the right intention, your criticism can make somebody better. But when you have the wrong intention, your criticism can hurt your relationship. You don't want to find fault. We want to reveal hope, number two. And then number three, last one, we want to be future-focused. We want to have a future focus when we give criticism. We want to focus on the future, not on the past. If your criticism is more focused on how they messed up a bunch in the past, on all the things they've done wrong in the past, if that's what your focus is when it comes to your criticism, then you probably shouldn't give it. Instead, we should be trying to think about how we can make them better in the future. How can we improve them in the future? That's revealing hope. Um, I remember my first sermon that I ever gave, not even in front of adults, as a youth pastor. It was probably 10 years ago. I found it like five years ago and listened to it. Um, and when I listened to it, it was easily the worst sermon I've ever heard anyone give. Not just me. It was terrible. It was supposed to be 25 minutes long. It was 12. Some of you would be like, that's fine with me. It was 12 minutes long. 12 minutes long. I spoke way too quickly. I, I, I jumbled my words. I barely said the words I, was, I meant to say. I said a lot of ums. Um, um, I said that the whole time. And I listened to it. I was like, I don't even think I knew what I was trying to even talk about. Like, I listened to it, and after I listened to it now, I remember thinking, there's nothing good that came out of this sermon. At the time, I had a, a pastor friend of mine who was mentoring me. And when it was over, I went up to him, and I knew it was not a good sermon. I knew it was terrible. And I went up to him, and I was like, so... What'd you think? And he was like, well, it was a little short. <laughs> Only 12 minutes. Um, you, you, some of your things didn't work, but here's what I think went well. And he gave me some criticism, but his criticism was bringing me hope. It's like, so next time you do it, when you do it, just be careful you do this. If he was stuck in the past, he would have never let me preach again because I was terrible. He didn't stick with the past. Instead, he was focused on the future. Here's how I can give you some feedback that will make you a better preacher said, okay, I'll take it. Criticism, when, it was, and it's, when it's future focused, we're doing it for the right reason. When we're stuck on the past and we're just stuck on everything they did wrong, no one's ever going to get better. No one's ever gonna, going to improve. Our goal is to reveal hope because revealing hope is better than finding fault. And for us in the room that would say that we are a follower of Jesus, for us in the room that say that, the worst thing we can do for our influence on the rest of the world is be critical. That's the worst thing we can do. The worst way that we can hurt their idea of Jesus is by being critical. That's the worst thing we can do. The most hurt I have ever been in my life is not by people that, aren't, that are outside the church. It's by the people inside the church. I remember I, I was, I've had times where there's been certain people that would not go to the church I was working at because I was a pastor there. So heaven forbid they allow me to be a pastor, we will never step foot in that church. I've had people say that. I know people that openly disagree with the fact that I, I am a pastor. I know it. They've told me. I've heard it. And I would be lying if I say it didn't hurt at times. The most hurt I've ever been is by people in the church. And a lot of us have that story, don't we? But a lot of our stories end up with people leaving the church. 
So many people, I've heard so many people that used to go to church that don't go to church anymore. And the reason why they don't is not because of the theology, it's not because they stopped believing in God, but most of the time I hear it because somebody in the church made them feel bad and judged them and criticized them and condemned them and they left. My story is unique where I was criticized but I kept going. Most people don't keep going. The worst thing we can do is be critical, is to criticize each other to a point where they don't even want to follow Jesus anymore. Is your viewpoint that important and you have to get that viewpoint out that badly so that that person makes, feels like they have all these faults, that they're going to go leave the church? You have to do it that badly? Really? We don't. Revealing hope is better than finding fault. We as the church, we should be finding and revealing hope in people's lives. Not a church making everyone feel like, you know what, you need to start doing this. You know, you need to stop doing this. Find all your faults. There's a place for that, and that's in, through personal relationships. But if someone comes in, they feel like, man, I just feel so judged and criticized, and we are doing something wrong. We are. We want to reveal hope in this world. We want to reveal hope here. So for you, how can we find a way to use our criticism to reveal the hope in somebody rather than just find faults? How can we do that? So throughout this week, as you think about this sermon, and again, on your impact cards on the back, there, there is a little exercise you can do to start to work on this. If that's you, and that's, you're somebody that really is struggling with criticism, you have a lot of criticism for maybe the person you're married to, for your kids, for your friends. If that's you, I want you to think about how can I change my approach? What can I do to help me, instead of finding fault with them, like the Pharisees did, instead reveal hope like Jesus did? Because I don't want to be that person with a big stick in my eye. And Jesus look at me and go, man, you're a hypocrite. That's not what I want to do. So how can we start revealing hope instead of finding fault? Because revealing hope is better than finding fault. Can we pray? Dear God, I thank you for loving us no matter who we are, no matter what we've done. I thank you for looking at us with our faults, with our sin, with all the things we've done wrong, but still loving us and still giving us hope. Dear God, I pray that you just speak into our lives. For those in the room that are struggling with this, that are super critical, I pray that you just help them to know that revealing hope is better than finding fault. That before we go and judge somebody else, we should be careful and look at our own lives. God, help us to have a good reason when we do give feedback to a person we have a relationship with. God, I just pray for the people in this room that are struggling with criticism and maybe while they're listening to this message, they weren't even really listening because they didn't think it was them. I just pray that you convict them. You make it known to them that's something they have to work on. Because we want to be the best model of you. And we're super critical and finding fault in people. We aren't doing that. So I pray for the people in this room that are extra critical that you help them take that step. You convict them in that, in that sin that they have. You help them take that step to get better, to look more like you so that when we meet other people, we shine your love to them. Help us to be a church 
that reveals hope in people, not just finds fault in people. God, thank you for loving us, for giving us hope. In your son's name, amen. Man, as we close today, we're going to sing a closing song together. So I invite you guys to stand if you can.